0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Civil Offense Podcast. My name is Ahmed Mali, and I am thinking we are back because it is 2023, and I am here with uh, quite the intellectual, Garen Jones. Garen, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, man. How about you?
0: Doing fine myself, honestly. I, I mean, I mentioned to you I had a dentist appointment earlier, so I mean, I, I really didn't need for that. I just got up and... Went to it and then I had to come back for coffee. It was kind of a mm-hmm. a little bit annoying because I have a caffeine problem. If I don't drink it, I get a headache.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, quite, quite, so that... the, quite the quite the intellectual though. It's quite the uh, it's quite the intro for me.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, who are you? Uh, yeah, introduce yourself. What What do you do?
1: Um. So I, I originally met you from like SFL, obviously students for liberty, and um. You know, I left the organization due to sort of minor disagreements, but. Um. Yeah, I'm just a uh, just a normal guy. Really, I'm not really that interesting. I just uh, uh, network in my spare time. Yeah, you know, I do a I do parts. I do part time work and I write and stuff. And um. Yeah, I'm not really like published anywhere, but I'm planning on doing like YouTube and, and stuff soon. So i will be good.
0: Yeah, but you are known for one thing, and that is hating politics. Uh, like, if, oh. if there's one thing people know you for. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I was pretty notorious in SFL for being not not really like the gatekeeper, but sort of the the very the, like the very anti-political guy. Um, just because everyone there was really like focused on politics and really cared about it, but I frankly, I frankly don't. I don't keep up with it at all. Um, I'm more interested in studying methodology and things like that.
0: But I know if there's one thing you care about right now, it's the Speaker of the House vote, right? Like Kevin McCarthy, that's really on your mind all day.
1: You, you know, what, you know what's funny is like I don't, I didn't even know that was like I don't even know what's going on with that. Like there, <laughs> there's the Speaker of the House vote.
0: <laughs> yeah, I they're stalling I it. So, know. like, I'll—I I'll, know you probably hate the idea of hearing about it, but actually, like, uh, they've got uh, certain house members are stalling the vote. They—he's on his like twelfth vote at this point of recording. I think something like that, and they just keep blocking him, basically. And uh, Matt Gates—one funny thing—he actually nominated Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House.
1: Oh really? Wow. Yeah, funny. it was
0: an interesting clip. See, the thing is it's all over Twitter for me. And and honestly, like I I haven't been keeping up as much as I would have before. Like I've kind of like, you know, obviously it, it's just been something I, I couldn't stay away from, like because it's just all over my feeds. Like Instagram, Twitter, I open them up and that's it. And and honestly, I've I've been kind of tired of it because I really didn't care that much to see it all the time every time I open social media. And I really think it's something tiring overall just to be have that be the thing, like or even like things that are political in general, uh, that have to do with that, like political events and all that. I, and I know, you know, obviously this is like a current event show, but those sorts of things like to have that be the, what's consuming my entire timeline is just not great. It's not a great feeling. So obviously that's, um, kind of, kind of what I want to get into today. First, I do want to plug a few things. Civil offense. The show is now on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Got them up. This will be on there too. Uh, if you're listening from there, you're goaded. Uh, and we also do have new merch civil offense merch at etsy.com slash shop slash Z big dog Z that's Z-B-I-G-D-O-G-Z and we actually have a new shirt that you can go check out Um, it's the try and stop me agorist shirt and it was perfect because Garen's coming on and and we'll kind of talk about what that even means in the first place for people that aren't aware but it's a great shirt and uh, if you don't like Congress if you don't like Kevin McCarthy uh, if you don't even like (laughs) the people uh, that, that are just opposing Kevin McCarthy to put on a political show, you'll love this shirt. Uh, and then also, obviously, civil offense has a Substack, civiloffense.substack.com, and check out my website at amedmali.com. That's Ahmed M L I H dot com, where you can sign up for my email list for the latest updates, where I can just inform you on what's going on. You know, you don't have to uh, be too worried about missing out on anything. But you know, now that we've kind of gotten into it uh, a little bit beforehand, Garen, I do want to know what does the term politics even entail.
1: Well, politics, like, it is fundamentally, if you sort of think about like the state as like an organization, um, is it's basically a series of like multilayered advertisements, um, for the state's legislation. So it's basically a way to um, do something which which I've called and other people call politicization, where you get basically so wrapped up in like, um, like what the state ought to do and like things with regards to, um like, specifically, like, policy, like, policy prescriptions, and you get so kind of set up with, like, the news cycle that um, you don't really see... you Number one, you don't see the state as an organization with the final interests, but you also, like... You, you get so fed up that you that you um that you feel that like voting or these other political um interest groups are a means to achieve your interests, and that for one stops you from networking in in, in networks that would actually allow you to like get away from the state and then remove levels of leverage like that the state places over you. Um, but that is, I mean, that's kind of the fundamental you know reason, and there's a reason why like it like it's so like. Like prevalent on all, all these social media platforms is because they're monopolized by the state.
0: So, yeah. So, I mean, for you, it's not even sort of like an oh, you know, don't be a Republican, don't be a Democrat. Um, like, I mean, yeah, that's a part of it, but it, it's just a wholesale rejection of of politics in general. It's not like oh, join the LP and then you'll be all right. You know, Libertarian Party, and then everything will be fixed. Or even like stay within the Republican Party, try and work your way into getting some Ron Pauls uh, within the state, and then everything is fixed, right?
1: Yeah, no, and it has nothing to do with that, and that's, and that's kind of what, like, because I used to be sort of part of, like, the whole, like, conservative movement, you know, got into it with Crowder and, uh, you know, Shapiro and Yiannopoulos around, you know, 2016, like, I think a lot of us did, sort of in the libertarian, or in sort of, like, the right libertarian movement, um, for sure, and I used to be, like, really, really involved with that, but I think my real interest was always, like, just really studying, you know, philosophy, ethics, Um, you know, methodology, and all these other cool things, Um, but I thought that politics was a way to do that, and certainly, like, there are political questions within those, but the thing is, is that, like, politics fundamentally um, requires you to not see the state as this like it it requires you to not study the state as this organization that is fundamentally against you at all times. It, it it basically detracts you and saying, oh, well, well, as long as my guys are in power, the the fundamental nature of the state somehow changes when it really doesn't, no matter who's, who's in power. So.
0: Yeah. And I mean, uh, like, it's sort of a a thing where, where people see it like, Oh, you know, I can get somebody in that, that'll be there and and represent me. And and therefore, you know, I can, I I don't know that people necessarily get comfortable when that happens. I mean, like there are people don't, um, don't get me wrong, but like, there are people that are so sucked in that, you know, it's almost like they, they don't ever want to like, leave it alone. You know what I mean? So like even if they get their person in, they're still like, oh, but here I need to get more people involved in politics. And I need to get more people away from like thinking that politics is a waste of their time. Um, And I mean, you know, like, I I think what really got me invested in it though, like kind of, I I know um, I was just saying like, oh, basically it's, it's when you have somebody that you trust in office. But like for me, obviously, like during the 2020 election, I kind of got sucked into it with the news cycle around there. And there was, you know, Biden's winning and, and you know, obviously a lot of people on the right uh, don't like Biden. They're not a fan of, of what happened there. And, you know, there was a lot of news surrounding that events and even like the whole like stolen election thing. And then it got into January 6th. And I mean, like I was really like sucked into politics at that point. And I, I think that's really what drove me to even get like politically active in the first place, because I really wasn't any, any sort of like Uh, organizations like officially. Uh, But I I got really drawn into um, college Republicans and even like a local Republican group. I got into uh, trainings that had to do with uh, political activity, campaign management. I actually like even met a a candidate that I worked with uh, on his campaign against, cause he was trying to primary Rubio at the time. It was Luis Miguel who, uh, well, there was a whole thing with that, that I could get into another time. But uh, overall, I mean, like that whole year, like 2021 was, it was a really big thing for me where I, uh, was going to these events, these protests, um, and even, you know, like just in general, like these sort of social club kind of meetings. Uh, but by the end of 2021, I was feeling really sort of like not out of it because I was still thinking that political activism was a good thing. Um, But I was really like rejecting the state more and more as time went on. I was thinking, you know, like uh, Congress isn't a good way to go about this. You know, the incentives aren't there for it. Maybe at a state level, maybe there's some sort of like, you know, uh, way to push back against Congress through there. And even then at that point, I was starting to reject the notion that, um, you know, like the state was even a thing that was working. So like by the end of 2021, when I was seeing that these vax mandates were put in place, like let's say in New York and all that, and, and they were literally escorting a kid outside of, um, some restaurant cause he didn't have his papers. I, I even like at that point made an Instagram post where I started saying that the centralization and the, in the States, like, um, sort of like monopolization on force was a problem. And, and I was thinking like, yeah, even the, even having police that are beholden to these politicians is an issue in and of itself. So, um, Yeah. I mean, like I I started to really reject at least, you know, the normal sort of view of of how politics is supposed to work, even though like I was still in it. I was still doing that. And I even took an internship after that uh, within the state capitol in Florida, which was actually kind of like after those two months is what really got me to go like, well, yeah, this is this is terrible. You know, (laughs) Um, I. I I had been there done. I mean, like I I did an episode with a, with a guy, Mike Johnson, he was running against the Senator that I was working with at the time. And I kind of exposed some of the stuff that I saw, but I mean, it was really um, disillusioning, you know, as far as, as far as thinking that the state was some sort of, organization that i could even work within in the first place just seeing like how the structure works just seeing how uh these politicians act and and thinking about how like this is really just a thing that attracts these sorts of people like the state is really something that attracts these sorts of people uh i still thought there was a way to kind of go about it and fix it you know that's why I, i you know had mike johnson on and i was thinking about even making some sort of documentary about the state of florida and how corrupt it is and all that like in tallahassee uh i was writing about it like um you know, on my own time, just doing my own writings about it, thinking about publishing something about that. But I mean, even then, like, I don't know, I got into these student organizations, young Americans for Liberty students for Liberty. Um, I ended up meeting you like halfway through last year. And even then, like I was, I was already kind of on the track of like thinking, yeah, a lot of it isn't fixable, but nowhere near where I am now. Right. And you kind of introduced me to quite a bit of this stuff. And that's kind of like why I like having you on the show, because it's, it's something I've really wanted to talk about, but overall, um, I've just gotten to this point where, I, you know, at, at this point, I'm like, yeah, this this political activism is keeping up with politics all the time. Uh, you know, letting it be so divisive in, in my life and all that is, is really just more harm than good, because really, what sort of results am I going to see out of this? Even if I get my people, quote unquote, in office, uh, what's really going to change in the end? You know?
1: Yeah, that's kind of like what like sort of has really like made me disillusioned with a lot of like the more mainstream like libertarian movement is that you know i'm a libertarian and so are you but like at the end of the day it's like i i got so disillusioned with the movement in general because like anti-politics is something that like literally no one focuses on because um mainly because of rothbard's like involvement with the lp during the you know early 70s but um, really just not a lot of time has been dedicated to really studying what the state is and as, and as an organization, like with a definable set of interests. And that sort of led to, you know, people not really be, really recognizing that any kind of political activism or political involvement isn't going to achieve the, the, the ethical ends that we want, you know, isn't going to achieve any kind of, um, you know, ethical uh ethical society uh in in any way, shape, or form. And 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 it's interesting because I because I got involved, because I was really heavily involved kind of in the conservative movement um, you know, around 2019 and 2020, and before that, throughout most of high school. And it's sort of it's sort of interesting how you got into the movement like around Biden. Um that was sort of my time getting out, you know. Um I I discovered, you know, libertarianism. Um, I found it really appealing sort of a lot of the um like i feel like i always was very skeptical of like the state and i always sort of from an early age knew that it was an organization that was fundamentally against me and my family and my interests um and against you know society but it was something that i really only discovered when i started reading um you know like milton freeman and thomas Sowell. you know back when i was a conservative and they sort of pushed me a little bit more to leave sort of the conservative movement um and around, it was really around, you know, mid, like pro- probably around mid-21, mid-2021 when I started reading the, you know, actual libertarian figures um, who were like, okay, this whole, this whole thing is bullshit. You know, you can't, you can't ethically, you know, legitimize coercion. You know, you can't ethically legitimize, um, you, know, you know, really it's just about peace, you know, wanting, you know, wanting peace between other people. And once you sort of realize that, you realize, oh, wait, the state is sort of the like the 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 antithetical organization that runs on violence you know it's like um and and it sort of all clicked for me um and i never really like became like an ancap or anything i just went straight to agorism um mainly just because of some of like the 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 youtube commentary spheres that i was around in that kind of sphere Um, it sort of led me directly into anti-politics and it just complemented like my libertarian leaning so well, because at that point I was getting really sick and tired of listening to you know the Ben Shapiro show and all these other political talking points, and I just didn't really care. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to study more interesting things, and that sort of led me to having sort of the controversial views that I do within the within like the libertarian movement. Because number one, most of the libertarian movement are like minarchists or liberals, so they're not even like libertarians. They're like okay, the government's legitimate for the for X, Y, and Z, and, you know, coercion's fine sometimes as long as it's a border, as long as it's the police, or as long as it's, you know, all these other things, um, and I just kind of became kind of sick of it, like, I'm tired of, like, debating these guys, and, um, but but the main thing was just politics, you know, like, oh, we can, we can achieve these ends if we just put our guys in power, and that just really, I don't know, just really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I, and I was tired of, like, debating, with a lot of people that just didn't like want to think about things a little bit further and um just use a bunch of like thought stopping cliches to you know stop the conversation from moving forward and yeah that's kind of where i'm at <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, like all these screaming matches or even like, you know, talking to each other and not really taking anything in from it. Um, like that's a huge component of uh, like, you know, sort of like what has come from political discourse. Right. And it just seems like, you know, people have, have, have really been divided because of it. Um, what would you say, like, is the reason for divisiveness being inherent to politics?
1: Well, I think it's inherent because I think people, it's important for the state for a number of reasons, but primarily to keep people divisive in the sense that that, uh, the state fundamentally um, has two main goals in mind is that it wants to um, politicize as many aspects of reality as possible and depoliticize itself. So when we're talking about depoliticizing itself, um, basically the idea of creating a, a multi-party economy and having different people from different organizations in power or you know, different parties, um, that is fundamentally to depoliticize the idea of the state. So um, the state is fundamentally like a very political, obviously a political organization. Um, and we can point to certain things that's required for it to sustain itself. We can point to things that it needs to be in order to keep running. Um, but the main thing that politicians and particularly like the, 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 like organizations in the media and in a lot of these other like state controlled organizations is to basically make it so that people don't think of the state, um, as an organization and to think that it's ideological but it's not and um and the party system is a really effective way of doing this because it basically makes people think oh well when my guys get into power the fundamental nature and the policies of the state change when in reality the actual the main policies that the state pursues doesn't really change depending on the the administration in power i mean the pretext for the policies change and like the the sort of rhetoric will often change depending on like the party in power but the actual things that the state does to you and the legislation and the inflation and the wars and all this other shit that the state needs to do to sustain itself will never ever change because if it did then the state wouldn't exist
0: so what's sort of the relationship between the party system and the state? Because I know, uh, like, for example, in Florida, you're not going to see a lot of uh, rank choice voting be a thing. That's not going to mm-hmm. be something that the like Republican Party in Florida wants. So I-, I mean, like, are there competing interests there? Or is that sort of like it almost, you know, it, it wants power to a certain degree. So it does that. What's kind of going on with that?
1: You mean, like, why do you like different like local states adopt different voting policies?
0: But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be asking about that uh, specifically in Florida, like the Republican Party, they, they have like killed efforts to have uh, I, I think it was ranked choice voting before and I knew I know other states do the same. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, um, you know, why is it that like the Republican or Democrat Party of a certain state will make it so that, you know, it, it's harder to do that or have like a multi-party system?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't I, I wouldn't be able to speak like very I guess intelligently about that particular issue um but but i know that the state definitely has a a very particular interest on sort of keeping a dichotomy because i mean two parties are a lot easier to control and dichotomize than like four or five or six and obviously other countries do that but again like a lot of people think that like other oh well other countries do that because they're ideologically different when in reality is that other countries have different policies and different jurisdictions because they have different, they have different territories, they have different economies, they have different geographical areas that they need control, they have different, like, levels of wealth, Um, I mean, they have different levels of, like, natural resources, so, for example, like, why was the Soviet Union such a tyrannical hellhole? Well, it's because they had like they had completely different economic interests and completely um different abilities to economize than um than countries like the united states so for example like the the soviet union the reason why it survived as long as it did despite its failing you know policies was basically because it just imperialized it just started imperializing a bunch of other countries you know and obviously you know uh you know according to like marxists you know only only um countries can only imperialize when they're capitalists, you know, if, if states use Marxism as a, as a pretext for their own, you know, beliefs, and then, then they can't be imperialists, or they're state capitalists, or whatever, um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really, like, I wouldn't really know anything, like, specifically why certain states, um, like, adopt certain voting policies, depending on the region.
0: Yeah I mean like it would just come back to the idea of like what what's most beneficial to it because I know you've mentioned to me before about like sort of um, ballot initiatives for example and you mm-hmm. were saying that like it they're only going to bring things forward or allow things to go forward if they know it's you know gonna well depending on how well it's going to do like they'll bring it forward basically.
1: Yeah and that was actually something that Conkin kind of mentioned and hinted at at uh, like with like with the LP or sorry, the LP for example, Um, the basically like the the state will like the LP will become popular when the state needs to, you know, like the LP will become a mainstream thing. um, Once people are counter-economizing enough to the point where um, the state really has a desperate edge to get people kind of back into the political process. And I just thought that was something interesting that he mentioned. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I think, I think by now, I think most people are starting to realize the problems with the LP. It's just the problem is just that they're, is that they're going into like other, like other equally or worse political movements that are just as bad as the LP and have the same problems as the LP. It's just they're not as obvious. Like, oh, yeah, the LP is totally bad. Let's, let's vote Republican or, oh yeah, the LP is totally bad. Let's, let's vote for a secessionist movement, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, like I'm a lot more I'm a lot more sympathetic to the secessionists than I am a lot of the other like party arcs, but fundamentally it's it's of the same character. And um that's something that I think a lot of like the happian crowd doesn't realize that secessionism well depending on what you characterize as secessionism, but their sort of idea of like, oh let's let's separate, um, let's uh, let's have different local uh jurisdictions separate from states and become like little monarchies. Yes, it's, it's basically, it's basically just asking the state to consider a part of itself, um, legally libertarian, you know, which, which you're never going to get libertarian ends through like political means.
0: Yeah. I I mean, like secessionism isn't always a thing where it's like, okay, we're going to ask Congress how to split up the United States. It could just be like, oh, uh, like New Hampshire votes to leave the union. You know what I mean? Um, but like, yeah, there can be problems with it as well, as much as there can be like, you know, uh, benefits in certain respects to like people could have better lives afterward being separated from the laws of Congress. Uh, at the same time though, uh, that doesn't mean that a state government won't have control over your life or expand its control over your life over time, or even that like a local government won't do the same. So I, you know, kind of, Like it's a problem no matter what I think. I think it's important to understand that the state is a problem no matter what level it's at. I mean, uh, and and if it's more local, there's obviously more of a chance that it could actually have more influence over your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like, again, sort of like the problem of like seeing the state as like, oh, um, like something that we can achieve through policy. And this is kind of like the main, I think, problem that I think a lot of the libertarian movement kind of runs into is like, oh, we can have libertarian policy, or we can have libertarian fiat decrees, you know, whether it's through some kind of contract, covenant community society, or through the state declaring that people have property, when in reality, that's not that's not a libertarian standard for property. A libertarian standard for property isn't that the the covenant decreed that you had property or the state decreed it private, you know, because the state can decree something private when in reality, they, they just use eminent domain, you know, to clear out an entire neighborhood of homesteaders, you know, for example, like with Walmart and all these other corporate bodies that the state... Well, uh, and the LP and a lot of these like other libertarians consider legitimate. When I would see that as a direct consequence of state privilege.
0: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it comes down to like if you if you do support uh, secessionism or even nullification, it's sort of like more of a, a problem that you have with the federal government, for example, or wanting to break it up and uh, you know, sort of dilute its power in any way you can. Uh, I mean, like, but again, like the point I'm coming back to is almost like you're you're right when you say that. You know the state itself is what has to be subverted. I'm um, um like no matter you know the level it's at, and obviously that comes with taking action into your own hands. I mean it, it you know first of all like we talk about becoming depoliticized, uh, like focusing. I, I know you mentioned networking. Like if you want to go into that, uh, and and really just like taking matters into your own hands as an individual, finding others that will do the same with you, and, and like emancipating yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is sort of where like. So, sort of the agorist, you know, criticism of politics kind of comes into play where a lot of people sort of try to misrepresent the agorist movement, um, you know, and obviously we can talk about kind of what agorism is. It's basically yeah, a subset yeah. of the libertarian. It's a it's a methodology within, like, broader libertarian thought. Um, but a lot of the criticism of it is, well, well, you're saying that, like, we have to or we ought to not ever get involved in politics or we ought not to ever or like get involved in like a secessionist movement or we ought to engage in these certain acts when in reality um we we don't prescribe any kind of behavior whatsoever so um basically what agorism is is basically um i i keep saying basically a lot i hate that but um it's essentially a It's helpful to think of it as like a a manual or like a guideline that says, okay, here's the state, here's how it operates, here's how it works, and if you wanted to subvert it and its influence over your life, you know, um, here are the things that are going to work, you know, counter-economic action or, um, you know, general protest, here are the things that are not going to work, you know, political action, no voting. Um, and that's really it. And so if you, and so if you want to do these things and subvert the state, you can, but if you don't want to, you don't like have to, you know?
0: Yeah. For viewer reference, can you like on a, on a little side note, just mention the, like differentiate between agorism and counter economics?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, agorism is essentially an Aristotelian like methodology within uh, the broader libertarian movement um, that specifically seeks to identify the state as a class um, and as a and as an organizational model um, with organizational interests. And from there, um, it essentially derives certain certain actions that either will or won't uh, subvert it. Um, and the role that counter economics plays. Uh, um, essentially, in Agour's theory, is one of the primary primary means um, not just to actually subvert the state, um, but specifically to um, remove levels of leverage the state places over you and your network, um, and to essentially um, not gain like a higher level of consciousness because that sounds like really really Marxian but essentially to depoliticize a lot of the um, like propaganda narratives that the state places over you.
0: Yeah. So like w- when you when you mentioned this, so like agorism would more so just like be the part that encompasses rejecting politics.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like agorism is like the main like theory and counter countereconomics is like a a part of it, but it's like a subset of of agorist theory.
0: Right. So I did, I did kind of want to like talk about how people can apply this to their own lives or, you know, um, how you, how you've been doing that as well. Like, I mean, you don't have to go into anything too specific if you don't want to, but I'm just saying like, sort of like giving a a sort of idea, like, uh, what does it mean to become depoliticized? What does it mean to engage in counter-economic action?
1: Yeah. So, so counter-economic, uh, so counter economic action um, is essentially engaging in what are called uh, gray and black markets, um, as opposed to the white market. Um, and basically, what the what the white market is is basically all, is basically all activity that is that is controlled and regulated and done in a specific manner, um, approved and controlled by the state. Um, and so that would include like legal market uh, occupations. Um, that would include. Basically, most business activity it takes place now, um, but uh, gray and black markets would essentially be actions that aren't uh, that aren't under control of the state or that can't be controlled by it. Um, so, for example, when we talk about, um, for example, the like three D printing gun movement um, started by like people like Cody Wilson, um, that would be an example of counter economic action because these are these are essentially um, innovations that make the that make the action of politics, um, and the, and the state's, ty- uh, tyrannical, like organizational model, uh, trying to, I guess, take over life unsustainable, you know? Um, so, so for example, when it comes to like gun policy, um, it, 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 it essentially, it's an, it's an innovation that negates the implications of gun control entirely, um, because it, it it allows you to um, make and produce firearms regardless of what, you know, what some government legislation wants to tell you is just you not. You know, ultimately, firearms are property and you can have them whether or not the state says you can or not.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, there's there's other things like crypto as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not like too familiar with crypto. But yeah, I mean, crypto would be a part of that too. It's it's not. um it's it's supposed to emerge as a form of like commodity money when the um you know in, in, in the future for sure. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'm not really much of a crypto bro, so and I don't have anything yeah. in crypto right now. So and I don't think I plan <laughs> to. I mean, I, I definitely plan to eventually, but yeah, I'm not much of a, a crypto guy. I I couldn't yeah. tell you much about it.
0: So what what really convinces people to get into this because you tell somebody about 3D printing guns or, or you know, some other things like uh, dodging your taxes if you're able to. And then they'll just kind of go, oh, well, like uh, the government won't like that. I, I might get in trouble, you know, so like what what sort of incentivizes people in the first place to get into it?
1: Well, it's not really like it, it isn't something that like you're su- you're supposed to get people to do certain things I mean, you obviously can but really it's more just about people seeing what's in their most highly valued preferences what they view in their own local economy as being safe and profitable and healthy for them and then talking with them and seeing if they will so so you wouldn't go up to someone and say hey you want to dodge your taxes or no you, you would you all you would really do if you particularly wanted to have someone in your circle was to basically just start trading with them in like the most like the most innocent and the most like uh, like the most like normy exchanges possible are, are, yeah. are usually a, like a good start at least for like yeah. my recommendations it's not like only within like a gorse theory but if we're talking about like just how you want to get someone involved um I don't know just fix a car for them or I don't know like have them fix the car for you and pay it in cash. That that is fundamentally counter economic action. Like what what people I think don't realize is that we engage in counter counter economics like all the time, um, whether or not like like if you've ever driven like ten like a five uh, five miles per hour above the speed limit to, uh, for example like de- like get to your work faster to del- deliver something faster you're engaging in a counter-economic action. If you ever hired someone to come fix your car and then pay them in cash, that's counter-economics. I mean, people, I know people, no names, of course, but um, but who make their entire career, their livelihood, just off of doing construction under the table. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. And these aren't things that are unethical or like, and again, like when people think of like gray and black markets, they think of like, like, immediately, like, drugs and, like, doing all these, like, horrible things, like, killing people and whatnot, that has nothing to do with, well, I mean, drugs can be a part of it, if that's what you're interested in, but, um, but anything, like, actually, like, unethical, like, there's a difference between what the state considers illegal and what is actually unethical within, like, libertarian theory, you know, so, like, hiring a hitman and going out and killing someone, you know that would be like a red market action that that wouldn't be that would be that wouldn't be like black market for instance
0: yeah i mean there there are plenty of examples you can name of it i mean like um having uh, a mechanic that uh, takes cash right like i i've mm-hmm. heard of this as an example again not to name names or anything but you know like uh, like people that'll just take cash instead of having any sort of payment processors right um mm-hmm. and you know, working under the table, like it doesn't even have to just be construction. I mean, there are other businesses in which people do that. I, and I like, you know, I've, I've heard of this is all I'm saying. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's something people engage in, in, you know, generally and naturally. And it's almost like, I, I'm just mentioning, you know, like how to get people into it because it, it sort of benefits you if your community is doing this a lot more, it's sort of like bringing it closer to home for you. It's, it's in, it's kind of enriching you to, uh, talk to people who are willing to engage with you in this manner, as opposed to just saying, Oh, like, I'm afraid of the consequences of that. If I get caught by, you know, the police or whatever, like if it's, if it's something that's like peaceful, but nevertheless, like, Oh, well, you know, I'm a little bit afraid of doing that, you know? So, uh, but, but generally like it, it is sort of like a self, um, advantage here, in a lot of respects like mm-hmm. sort of taking it into your own hands as i've mentioned before doing what you want to do um and and it's just you know really beneficial to individual interests so uh, like it's it's sort of a thing that you would like want to have within your community just if that's the way you want your community to function you know what i mean um i i brought up uh you know that also because you know i'd like to ask you uh is it possible to have an agris car factory
1: <laughs> oh my god i hate i yeah, well, I hate, I hate the like the disingenuous nature of a lot of these people that like talk about this sort of thing. Whoa, like, whoa,
0: my 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 co-host. i my other here. show ashton he's you know you gotta you gotta take it easy on him but uh, <laughs> uh yeah he, he mentioned that when we were talking about it because he was asking me about like ways to achieve freedom and a lot of his things had to do with like localism and all that i mentioned agorism and he actually brought that up he was like uh i'm just giving a reference here for what that is for people that aren't aware uh he was just basically saying you're never going to have an agris car factory it's just not going to work so that's why i kind of asked about that I, it's funny to poke at it uh but yeah go ahead
1: well, it's like, it, it's just so funny that sort of mentality, like, oh, well, like, right from sort of like the politicized libertarians, it's like, yeah, making a car kind of economically is totally infeasible, but achieving libertarian ends by begging politicians to work within the system is just, is totally feasible. Like, I just never, I, like, never made sense to me, but yes, um... The, the the car Factor example is, is of course fun um, as if car as if cars aren't already made counter economically to a pretty large extent um, I think Conkin I know I had I had a I had a whole list of like things that Conkin um, mentioned that like how cars are made counter economically um, let me let's see if I can find it I know I have the list here yeah like this was like a critique that like Rothbard made um, but essentially like cars are made in even in the current economy, um, are made essentially counter economically to a large degree, um, and in so many ways, it's not just like the actual building of the car, but in all the aspects that like cars are made. So, for example, like um, shipping like parts across borders, um, for example, like uh, auto plan executives being hired as like independent consultants. That was an example. Um, like. Unsold products, written off inventory, um, written off taxes, and then sold. Um, skimming parts like by ma- by um like by management or labor, like even without like the knowledge of the owners. Um, for example, which then go on to produce like custom cars, um, and then you think about like all the ways the cars are fixed. We already mentioned like mechanics, but I um, mean most cars are fixed kind of economically. By just hiring someone that you know instead of going and paying like 600 bucks to your white market mechanic you know um but 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 again like the, the the notion that the notion that like and this is sort of like the 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 not getting into like the malthusian trap but sort of getting into the fact that like, it's funny that a lot of austrians bring up this point because like like the notion that people won't be able to engage in like the notion that that certain means of producing things will always have to be centered this way they'll always have to produce well well like cars will always have to be made in this way and by this factory they you know they it's it's not as though like people can't make cars differently in different environments where they have more leverage over their own resources which it was just certainly the entire point of of um agorist action making it so that's possible at like as though that's not possible it's just i don't know it's just always been a really ridiculous critique and it's not even, it, it's just thought thing.
0: Look, you're crazy if you think you're ever getting a black market Walmart. All right.
1: Yeah. Black market Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Like, yeah, these I mean, are like, yeah, no, like, what, well, like, and this is, this is like a point that like Mises made too, like, oh, Walmart's a champion of the free market, like so imminent domain is as is, is a free market action. Like that's crazy
0: there's literally a Walmart not too far from where I am that that's how they got it. And, and it screwed over traffic and all that. And it, it sucks. So, you know, I mean, a lot of the time, um, I just, I think about these things that, that like screw me over and I'm like, man, <sighs> Walmart. Yeah.
1: Sorry for kind of stuttering like over the, like the, the, cause I was trying to find like that list that Konkin kind of wrote down, but, but he, he listed there. There are so many ways that cars even in modernity are like made counter economically. He just, kind of wrote them in like a weird you know in like a weird way conkin's writing i'm not like i like conkin's writing to a degree but i'm not like the biggest fan of his writing style to be honest but
0: yeah but you know what um this is just kind of a little um thing i wanted to mention you know those mechanics they know nothing about conkin most of them I don't think they know anything about Konkin, but they still do it. They still take cash, right? And and that's like a point you've made to me that like, you know, people don't know about the... And th- even Konkin says this, you can get into what he said and I'll let you do that. But like, I mean, these people, they're they're unaware, but they still like have this in their lives because they just see it as advantageous to themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was literally a point that like... And this looks like so annoying about the politicized people that just like don't even bother to read. They're just like they don't even bother to read, like, the material that we are promoting, um, and that's just, like, that, like, oh, well, well, how are you going to convince people to become ideologically X, Y, and Z? And it's, like, agorism fundamentally isn't, its is not ideological, in a sense. I mean, Konkin, well, Konkin referred to it, like, as an ideology, and, and this was sort of, like, a critique that I made of Konkin before, but he, he, he actually read the context of how he used the term, he used it to specifically refer to a methodology for social study, and in his other writings, he specifically makes the point that agorism, well, at least the um, at least counter economists and um, agorism itself as a theory is not is not one that's ideological. Um, and this is something that's sort of important to note is that like you don't have to convince anyone to to adopt counter economic measures um, like, and, and make them libertarians, you know, you can be a Marxist, you can be a counter-economist, you can be a conservative, you can be a, a Democrat, you can be anyone, um, and it's sort of a way to actually, like, connect your community and not be, like, so wrapped up in ideology, but, yeah, this is something that, like, a lot of people mention, but they don't really read it, I don't know, it's just kind of annoying to me.
0: Yeah. So you did also mention that like Konkin says sort of like a, uh, you know, methodology first, theory later kind of thing. Like you don't kind of bring people to agorism as an idea. You, you know, kind of practice with it first, Uh, like in, instead of just like saying, here's my idea and here's here's what you, you know, like what, what you would engage in had we actually just done it in the first place. Right. So like I could have engaged with you counter economically, but here I am sitting telling you about counter economics instead. Right.
1: It's the exact opposite of politics it's an anti-political approach to social study and practice because fundamentally it's the exact opposite because normally the political route is oh i'm going to con- i'm going to convince people to read my theory and then and then i'm going to have them go out and and vote and protest and do all these other things but fundamentally the agorist approach could be hey can you fix my car for me here's 100 bucks if you're interested you know read this theory if you want you know if, you're, if you hate the state
0: yeah imagine doing the opposite though it's like here you need to read this theory before you fix my car for cash
1: yeah exactly <laughs> like it just that that would be crazy but yeah it's it's not it's not built that way because we start from we start from our praxis first like One we build our it, practice off of
0: it. it's built different
1: it is built different yeah <laughs> Well, it, it's also funny, too, because it's it's built off of consistent, like, Rothbardian libertarian theory. It's just taking that to its natural conclusion, and that's something that, like, a lot of the mainstream, like, Rothbardian movement doesn't realize, too, is that, like, agorism is the, like, conclusion of, like, all of the kind of best things that Rothbard introduced on the table, and, like, the main thing that he introduced was basically the notion that um, the Austrian methodology and libertarian... Uh, well the Austrian methodology and libertarianism are both um are are both derived from the exact same epistemic basis. Wow. Which would be yeah. like a priori reasoning and you know Aristotle's uh analytic logic, but I mean that's a bit yeah. too that's a bit too theory mine is, but <laughs> yeah,
0: actually I, I did kind of want to like segue a bit into, uh, you know, real world stuff. Like, I, I mean like, um, and not even exactly what we've been talking about, but like a, a little bit more distant from it because, um, this is one thing I've thought about as well. Uh, I was really into music production, like, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I still do it, but like even before the politics stuff, I think that was one thing that like consumed way more of my time. And it's kind of like what I, I lost a lot of time on, like, you know, doing politics and all that. And I mean, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy the people I met and all that. And, and, Had had a good time with them, but I mean it's it's one thing I love doing and actually recently I went to a friend's house um, Zari is I'll shout him out. Uh, He's on Instagram. He just posted a music video I featured in it, but uh, yeah, I I love doing that stuff I love having a good time doing it with my friends and even just by myself like kind of working on it so one thing I was thinking about, like we, we've talked about how media uh, kind of gets like political, like everything in your life is political, like everything becomes, or is becoming political nowadays. And we can kind of get into the reasoning for that as well. Like, I mean, we did address that. It's sort of like a, a, a state uh, propaganda thing, but we can kind of like, even if you want to go into any examples that you've thought of or like any of that, um, you know, within media today, how it's becoming increasingly political. But like, you know, I, I just, I like the idea of making non political music or media in general, you know, and I, I think that's something that people can engage in too. Like, don't make your music all political, you know, find something that you enjoy making uh, and, and and don't make it so wrapped up in that. Make it about you, you know, make it something to, unique to yourself.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing that, like, really is great about this sort of getting into this sort of mentality or getting out of the like political mentality is that you aren't, you aren't. You're acting—you're acting ideologically in the sense that you're not like trying to prescribe what people ought to do. You're not prescribing what, um, what ought to happen. You're just saying that you're basically studying a, a philosophy and a methodology for considering, what, what, um, um, what, what is, what are ethical truths, and if you want to create a more ethical society, if you want to um, what can you do about it, and that, and that basically gets you completely out of the whole, um, you know, uh, of what policies should the state pursue, or, you know, what should we do, or, um, you don't, because you don't really care, you, you end up not really caring about anything, um, sort of in the mainstream political sphere, and that's why I'm not on Twitter anymore, uh, well, I never really was, like, on Twitter, but that's why I never, like, really engage in much, um, in much news anymore, like I don't watch any news, and like you can still do the things that you care about that you most cared about, like studying economics and philosophy and all these other cool things, um, but not really having a political mindset about it. Like you, you derive political conclusions, but they are the negation of politics itself.
0: Yeah. My mindset to it is like, uh, imagine devoting yourself, your energy, your time, your life, you know, your life force to a a movement like beyond what you are, you know? And and for some people that they might see that as like, Oh, well that to me is like something that actually like, it it seems like altruistic or it seems kind of like, Oh, like my, benefit to society outweighs anything that it's costing me. But like in the end, just, I, I would say like, consider, you know, if you value yourself, your, your, your ownness, like kind of think like, what am I benefiting from it? Like what, how is this benefiting my life? The things I want to do aside from this, like if, if you care about having a family or if you care about uh, like starting a business or if you like so on and so forth, right? Uh, like, is this stopping you from doing those things? Is this sort of like taking you back from that? Is that, are you dumping more resources than you would otherwise care to in this? Like, is this actually harming you? Because I mean, a lot of people do it to the extent that, that like, it's taking a toll on their life. And, you know, uh, far be it for me to say, like, you should, uh, like, uh, actually just stop it now and like, uh, do other things like, you know, okay, whatever, like, uh, do what you want, I guess. But I mean, like, think about what you actually want to do. Think about what actually interests you think about like, um, you know, like if, if you think your life could improve otherwise.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing too. It's like if you want to engage, like because I have a white market job, I do I do most of my things in the white market. So it's like I don't I don't disparage anyone who engages in white market activity at like at all. And it's like I I don't even like I don't even look down on it at all. Um, it's like just do what you want, you know. Do what you want to do. Do what is in your own best interests. But hey, if you want to engage in some of these things. Then I think you should, but do it safely. Do it to the best of, do it to the ability that you think um, is going to be beneficial for you. You know, and that's what I've always advocated for, and that's what I've always done. You know, um, so yeah, and it's and it's great not having that sort of mindset where you're just always, you know, if you want to if you want to go off and live in the woods and you know, network and do that, you know, go full hardcore. You know, more power to you, but you know, there's nothing you know there's nothing stopping you from, you know, just uh just living a normal life. Yeah. That's what um, like a lot like a lot of people like don't um don't understand too is that like it's not something that like oh well like this will never appeal to like working class moms with a with a family of four it's like it's not really so it's, like it's, it's not really supposed to in the sense of like going off and networking in the woods is not going to appeal to that person but doing something very small like um like obvi- again like the mechanic thing is obviously a a popular example but that is a great example too it's something that's safe and doesn't have any risk and this is something that's also like should probably mention, too, is that, like, oh, well, this is just inherently dangerous because it's illegal, you know, or it's, like, by law, like, by law, the, the state decrees lots of things. By law, the state decrees that you can't, like, it's literally illegal to sell anything, like, by law, in every state, um, because if you sell, if you sell above um, someone, that's, um, that's monopoly pricing. If you sell below someone, that's cutthroat competition. And if you sell the same as someone, that's conspiracy. So it's like literally illegal on the books to sell anything. Um, but the thing is, is that that doesn't stop people from engaging in trade. So the question is, is that what actions am I going to get in trouble for? Like, Are you really going to get in trouble for going five miles above the speed limit? Well, no, like, are you really getting in trouble by, like, having someone come over and fix your link for, like, a hundred bucks? No, you know, and this is sort of the point is that it's supposed to make even the most risky actions now not risky at all, you know, and once that happens, then that will be the point where the single mother of four can start engaging in it because there's literally like a zero to one percent risk of it. Of, like getting in trouble
0: yeah i mean i think those are all great points to make and i like i i just mentioned uh sort of like people being uh any any sort of fear like of the state coming after them for doing something to to sort of say like it does deter certain actions or uh deter sorry uh certain actions from like being made by people uh in a lot of ways and it's sort of like a you know, it's almost just like, you got to get it out of your head that you are going to be gone after for the smallest of things. Right. Like, but people think they're going to be, you know what I mean? But if you just want to like get, get your roommate who knows how to cut hair to give you a haircut, I mean like what, what's that going to do? Right. You, you have a good point when you say that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean like counter economic action, you, you mentioned that it's like something that people do day to day, like regardless, uh, you could get deals at like garage sales, you can go there and, and, you know, engage with your neighbors in that way. It, it's, it's really like something that doesn't have to be like something you're taking a risk for, uh, necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, a th- those are all great points. I really would be glad to see like, you know, less politicization in the future. Uh, so that's sort of like why I, I, I mentioned a lot of these things where it's like, um, you know, what, what sort of benefit comes to people with it and all that and like convincing people because it's like sort of like in your area what you want to see done right because it impacts your life as well and I, I mean i don't know i for me again it's like i i'm just gonna focus on other things that that really aren't as much uh like in the, in this realm like i'm I'm you know, I'm still gonna do the podcast, of course, regardless. Like we'll have a good time here, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I had a really good conversation with you today. And honestly, like I I I hope to bring on my friend Zarius. uh and the other guy I did the show or um we did the music video with Victor, like he's cool too. Uh I really want to have them on for an episode. And yeah, I is there anything you want to leave with Garen?
1: I mean, not really, other than just um I think it's it's very fundamental to um like if you wanna sort of get into this and sort of having a different mentality for a lot of these kind of issues. <coughs> oh my god. Oh shit. I'm so sorry. Okay, long story short, or actually um I'm gonna explain when this happened. So <coughs> um I just had this surgery recently and, and it's it, it's um it's been like stumbling over my words and Um, not articulating things as well as I normally could. Um, I had this jaw surgery, and I'm still a bit numb. And um, I have this little, like, metal, not like a retainer, but something that I have, like, a little plate at the roof of my mouth. And the thing is that, like, food will get stuck in there, and that's kind of, like, part of the problem with the surgery. And (laughs) one of the pieces just fell out and landed in the back Uh. of my throat. And I just had a total choke down as I was trying to explain something. But anyway... <laughs> the story end uh,
0: <laughs> on. Great.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, this is something that I think like that libertarians like really need to study is that look at the state as an organizational model um, and look at what it needs to, do to sustain itself. And I think this is something that like, I've obviously brought up before, but like this is why politics will never work because fundamentally like in order for a state to exist if you think about like what a state is a state is at its core you know people use the monopoly and arbitration definition but if you look at the state's organizational model which is can at its core be boiled down to basically a militia firm conspiring with a bank (coughs) sorry um a militia firm. Uh, conspiring in the Reserve Bank, um, and if you look at like all the conditions that require this sort of organizational model to occur, which would be, of course, the monopoly on violence and the monopoly on security and the monopoly on you know arbitration and law, um, um, these are things that if you look at the state from this perspective, you can see, oh, wait, in order for this organization to survive, it needs to continually increased tax rates. If you look at, um, it needs to continually regulate. It needs to continually engage in imperialism and foreign wars, and this is particularly prevalent in, like, an economy... (coughs) Oh my god, sorry. Um, in an economy, uh, like the... Oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus. Um, it's particularly prevalent, like, in an economy uh, like the United States where we've seen like from its inception, we've seen tax rates go through the roof. Um, we've seen regulations go through the roof. We've seen, um, foreign wars of aggression go through the roof, particularly like recently. Um, we've seen like inflation obviously continue to go through the roof, like all these unlibertarian things. Um, why do these policies need to happen? Well, they need to happen because they're not ideological. It's not because these evil Republicans or these evil <coughs> like these evil corporations came in and, you know, bribed these politicians to act like ideologically in their own interest. No, it's because these are policies the state needs to do in order to survive. And that's why most states only last about three hundred or so years, um, it's because eventually they get to the point where their economy their political economies are not sustainable anymore, uh, because, you know, money bird, the economy collapse, you know. Um but the problem is that once the state collapses, a new one comes in and takes its place. Um and of course, you know, um when you study a state from that kind of perspective, you realize, oh wait, um You know, any kind of like electing a politician, like a Republican or a Libertarian party member, um, isn't ever going to work. Because in order for them to be an agent of that organization, they need to fulfill the policies that are going to sustain that organization. You know, otherwise, they're not a part of that organization anymore. Otherwise, they're immediately fired or assassinated or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, well that, uh, was something to end on as well. Uh, yeah, I, it's been honestly really great talking to you. I think that is something for libertarians to consider for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would love to talk more about any sort of uh, things within libertarianism you're looking forward to talking to. I know Garen is very well educated on the history of libertarianism, and he's actually working on his own thing there. I don't know if you want to plug that real quick right after I talk about it. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. And you might just come on the show again to (laughs) talk about that with me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like a history of the libertarian movement would be like an awesome podcast, I think, because that's um, I'm definitely working on this very long Probably it's going to be at least like five hours or more, <laughs> um, but basically it's going to be entire, entire long history of the entire libertarian movement from the you know late 1700s all the way to now, um, and it's going to be on my channel um, called Into the Agora. Um, I don't have many videos uploaded there right now, um, but definitely if you want to link that, link that in the description, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome so people can subscribe and turn on their notifications for when I eventually get around to uploading some videos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, I don't have any content there now. Um, definitely subscribe, definitely get your notifications on cause I, I have big plans and I'm really excited for making some, uh, some cool video essays. So.
0: Yeah. I assume the date that that's coming out is up in the air. Just kind of keep uh, posted to <laughs> yeah, channel for that. It,
1: it is still up in the air, but definitely in the next like month or two keep an eye out. So yeah
0: hit the bell on his channel and click all notifications and hit click all bell. notifications for civil now. offense on YouTube. Right. Hit the bell. Hit the bell right. But you got to like, click all, it's not you? just personalized because they leave it on personalized by default. They tell you, Hey, yeah. we're just going to give you some of the notifications. No, click all keep up with the podcast. I don't even spam this podcast. Like it's a great podcast and it just comes out every once in a while. So like it's, it's for your entertainment. Okay. Uh, you know, um, anyway, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did. I had a great conversation with Garen today. Uh, it's, it, was really good uh if you want to find more on me again my website is ahmedmalih.com that is ahmedmalih.com sign up to my email list check out all the other things i mentioned at the beginning of the show Uh, and yeah i think that is all for today again check out uh garen's channel as well and remember that civil offense is the key to winning thank you